Welcome in. Welcome back, everybody. Remember me? It feels like an eternity since we actually had Notre Dame football to talk about. We are finally, finally back. It has felt like we've been grounded and everybody else gets to go play for the last half a month. We're finally ready to talk Notre Dame football again. Oh, by the way, it doesn't feel like it because of all the interruptions, but number five in the country, Notre Dame. I don't feel like we've seen the angst and anxiety we would normally have from our team being number five because of the uncertainty, the shutdowns, everything going on. But we are ready to talk about playing Florida State. We have some positive COVID and injury updates to go over. Recruiting is rolling. The 21 class might prove me wrong. And how will I react if they do? Notre Dame's link to the biggest news story in the entire world. And also, let's not forget the five things I'm looking for from our boys against Florida State. It feels great to be back. I'm in the new studio with the lighting, the new background, a better camera, an upgraded microphone. Let's get into it. Let's go. We talk about respect. We're talking about respect around the country. Welcome to the Always Irish Show. A whole lot of Notre Dame football and a little bit of everything else. Roger, you chuck your child and say, hey baby, here I am now. right welcome in welcome back everybody to a recuperating covid edition of the always irish show it feels so good to be back it feels so good to actually have a game to talk about especially against a team that we all hate and we want to see destroyed let's get into it shall we but first things first youtube you could find me by searching always irish twitter at JKZND4, or just search Always Irish in the search bar. Emails, alwaysirishnd at gmail.com. Audio only. You could get it anywhere you listen to your audio podcast. I'll be there with the audio version. You could get it, okay? Like, subscribe, share, review, write mean comments. John, I'm mad you got a better camera. Now it zooms in on your face better. I don't care what you say. I just appreciate the interaction. And While we're discussing the interaction, I have to say, over the weekend sometime, this channel surpassed the 1,000 subscriber mark. Now, I understand this isn't Justin Bieber with 53 million people or whatever, but for me to get to 1,000 is a big deal. So I do appreciate everybody's support, everybody who's checked this out. I had an idea in my mind, once I switched to video of a date of when I wanted to hit the thousand mark, and we're very far ahead of it. So I love that. I appreciate all of you. Listen, some of you guys are my good friends now. We talk about our families, health situations. I have people I meet when I'm in South Bend now that that I'm friends with. It's fantastic. We're all a family. We're all in this together. I can't believe a thousand of you are that interested in what I have to say and see in my face, but I do appreciate it. Here's the other thing. Once you get to that thousand mark, different things open up to you on YouTube. So 
I'm in the works of getting into the next steps of this, and it's going to be a lot more interactive for me to connect with you guys, okay? So all those things are coming, but from the bottom of my heart, thank you for getting me to that thousand mark. It's, it's a big notation for me. It's a big marking point, and we're just getting started, okay? So let's, let's start here, shall we? Let, let's get into this. First things first. Notre Dame's the number five team in the country, and it just doesn't feel like it. I don't feel the intensity that I would expect to feel from Notre Dame being ranked number five, and I think that's for a couple different reasons. One is the stoppages, the shutdown the last month, the Notre Dame momentum just kind of slowed down because we don't have games to talk about, anything to build on week to week. So that's one reason I don't feel the intensity we would normally feel with our boys being number five. And the other reason is, yeah, we're number five, but you got a team like Ohio State behind us. But I think everybody probably agrees they're better than us, but they haven't played yet, so they're behind us. But for the time being, we're number five. And we got to get into that mindset that we have a top five team in the country. Maybe you guys are different with this, but my vibe is just, I don't feel that normal number five anxiety because we're not in this week-to-week reliable grind, okay? So I'm trying to flip my mode back into we're number five with something to prove, okay? So so that's, that's the first thing. Um, secondly, if there's any silver, listen, none of us, the bye week's the bye week that we were already going to have. But having to not play a game due to COVID, and then we have all the, the we had all the injuries. It's it's not a good place to be. Having a half a month off wasn't great. It wasn't a traditional buy where you're working on things. It was all this health related stuff. So you don't really know how much our guys could do or not do. It's just all awkward and new territory. We all have to process and get through together. If I could find one positive from this experience, it would be we didn't lose a game. We pushed the Wake Forest game to the end of the year. And I look at the tweets today and we're getting like half our team back from injury or COVID. So if you look at it that way, yes, there's no guarantee COVID might flare up through the team again when they have the last supper and all eat together and breathe on each other, which is apparently how this one started. But we're getting keys back. We're getting Clark back. We're getting Austin back. We're getting Ben Skaronic back. We're getting a Goofu back. We're getting Smith back. We're getting Simon back. We're getting Leah Fow back. We're getting Bracey back. And hometown favorite Hamilton's coming back. Okay. So if you want to look at a positive for this, it's we didn't lose a game. We're pushing a game where we wouldn't have had all those guys to the back of the year of the schedule where theoretically we would have them back. And now we're getting all these guys back. So that's a good sign if you're looking for one and something encouraging, okay? So here's the deal. We have have Florida State coming up. And here's what I've been struggling with, philosophically thinking in my mind. This was not a traditional buy. This was a health-induced extra week off that we had in between here, uh, in between our last game and Florida State. I don't know what to expect when we show up against Florida State. I don't know how much these guys have been able to practice. 
contact. I don't know. I don't know if they're doing walkthroughs. I, I just don't know. I don't know if certain guys are further along than others because of why they were out, injury versus COVID. All these different things are causing me to really wonder how we're going to come out against Florida State. Uh, and I think that's a legitimate concern when you get all riled up, get into the season, start to build some rhythm, and then it all gets shut down for a half a month. Okay, so that's the number one overarching thing is how are we going to transition back into the weekly grind of big-time college football, okay? So here's the deal. We're 21-point favorites against Florida State last I checked. Quite frankly, they're just not that good at football. Like, they're Florida State. So yeah, they have a bunch of NFL guys and NFL talent on their roster. First year under a new coach, Norvell was out from, he had COVID, so he was out when they played Miami. Even in the summer, he's the new coach, had an issue with the players. They wanted to get him fired before they even finished summer camp. So Florida State is having some issues. You could see they have some talent and some NFL guys. They're just not putting it all together, playing good football. They have some clear weaknesses. We're 21-point favorites. We just have to see. I don't know whether it's fair not to expect us to blow them out by 30 points when we've been off for a half a month. I don't know if that's realistic or fair of me to expect. It's not a traditional buy where you're working and have an extra week to game plan for the next team. That's not what this was. And as a result, I just don't know if I could judge them as harshly as I would coming off a normal buy. I, I keep coming back to that because I, I just don't know what to expect. I don't know how we're going to come out, right? So they've had issues. The coach has had issues. They had the horrible blowout against Miami. They were able to beat Jacksonville State, even though they were losing at halftime. So I, Florida State's still kind of a mess. Make no mistakes about it. This ain't Bobby Bowden's Florida State coming into town. It's just not, okay? Let's get into the specifics with them and learn a little bit more about what they got going on. Okay, so one of the first things I noticed that jumps out at me right away is this is an undisciplined Florida State team, okay? They are 65th out of 73 teams playing already in terms of penalties and penalty yardage per game. I hope that continues. Now, you're not going to have the noise factor at Notre Dame Stadium, making them do dumb stuff, but it's worth noting so far they're extremely undisciplined. Sixth bottom, this is bad, 65th out of 73, okay? So they're heavily penalized. I hope that continues. I hope they're overwhelmed by what we present, present to them and, and they have issues, okay? That's number one. In the first, I'm not talking about Jacksonville or whatever that is, okay? A lot of that, I don't, I mean, they were losing to that team at halftime, and they have no business losing that team at halftime, okay? But looking at the first two ACC games, they're giving up over six yards per play, okay? There are some good things with Florida State, though. They are decent against the run. They have some whole big cloggers in the middle there, NFL-type guys. They've only given up two running plays of over 20 yards so far this year. Those names you're looking for on their front seven, Wilson, Cooper, Durden, those are some good players up front, clog up the middle. They've been decent 
against the run right up the middle, okay? QB runs, though, do give them some trouble. King from Miami, 65 yards, and the Georgia Tech quarterback ran for 70 yards. This is going to be interesting, okay? Your backup quarterback, Phil, is now playing for BC. Now you got Brendan Clark coming off COVID or whatever his issue was. He's been unavailable coming back. So this is interesting. They're allowing quarterbacks to run. My question for Notre Dame is, how much of that will or will not be in the game plan with Ian Book, especially given that you don't have the backup quarterback you had last year? And I I just don't know how much you want to risk Ian Book running, but it's worth noting. Miami, quarterback, 65 yards. Georgia Tech, 70 yards, all from the quarterback. We know... That's one of Ian Book's strengths. I wish they'd do more of it. Get him on a bootleg, roll him out, move the pocket, scan, nobody's open, the tight end over the middle, whatever, and then he can run, get out of bounds for a seven-yard gain instead of throwing it away or reversing into traffic and taking a sack. Okay, so I'm interested to see if Notre Dame will allow Ian Book to move the ball with his legs. It looks like it's a vulnerability from Florida State, okay? In that secondary for Florida State, you know the name Asante Samuel from the NFL? Well, Asante Samuel Jr. is a really, really good corner for Florida State. He doesn't get a lot of balls thrown at him because he's very, very good. So it's going to be really interesting to see that matchup if Notre Dame challenges him, if Notre Dame decides to try and challenge throwing the ball downfield at all. Who knows the way we've been operating, okay? So... Asante Samuels, a name to watch in that secondary. Now, here's another percentage to note. So far, Florida State's giving up 60% conversions on third downs. That ain't great. Okay, so 60%. I need us to be at that level or more. Okay, in terms of getting after the passer, we already covered that they're somewhat decent against the run. They only have one sack all year. Okay, so this is another instance where if we want Notre Dame to work on that passing game and smooth all that out, now might be your opportunity to because they're not getting at the quarterback. They have one sack. They're allowing 60% conversions on the opposition's third downs. Teams are completing 70% of passes against Florida State's pass defense. Okay, 70%. Now I look at that. And I say that should be our goal then. So get above 70%. If that's the average, even Georgia Tech could do it. We should be able to do better than Georgia Tech. So 70% passes or better is what I'm looking for, okay? That's where I need Ian Book to be. That's where he was in 2018 when he had a very, very good year. 72, 73%, somewhere in there I'd be fine with, okay? So I want to see that this year. So lack of pass rush, decent against the run, disorganized on the back end, can Notre Dame take advantage? What we've already discussed is Florida State's decent against the run up the middle. What's Notre Dame's game plan going to be? Is it going to be to run more to the edges and outside thinking you could do it against this defense? Or are they going to come out and actually try and throw the ball and be aggressive? I'm very, very interested to see that. Okay. So, That's their defense. Flipping over to offense, quite frankly, they're just not good. They're just just not really good, okay? Uh, First two ACC opponents, they're only averaging four yards a play. 
That's 70th out of 73 teams playing already. Okay, so this offense has been bad. They do have problems, okay? The quarterback, Travis, took over for Miami. They had a young freshman guy playing, wasn't working out. This guy took over four for six, 140 yards on passes of 20 yards or longer, okay? Interesting challenge for the Notre Dame secondary, all right? Here's the deal with their offensive line. They're not good. This offensive line is terrible, okay? This offensive line is extremely bad. First two ACC opponents, nine and a half tackles for a loss, nine sacks, okay, nine. This defensive line for Notre Dame needs to eat. They need to eat, okay? Now, on offense, their scheme, generally speaking, should look pretty darn familiar to Notre Dame guys. You know why? It's going to look just sim- not just like, but very, very similar to what Chip Long ran at Notre Dame because he was under Norvell when he was at Memphis, who's now the head coach at Florida State. So let your sarcasm out if you want. I hear Chip Long, and I think, get ready for those screens into the flat for no yards. That's what we should get ready to defend, okay? So that's an interesting dynamic. You're going to see a lot of the same schemes and structure you saw out of Chip Long's offense at Notre Dame. Let's see how it translates here. Our defense should be well prepared for it because that's what they run against. That's what our offense has been running against our defense all these years Chip Long was there, okay? Now, this quarterback can run a little bit. That's something to keep an eye on. You can't forget about him back there and let him get chunk yards running. You cannot do it, okay? The other thing is, they want to run fast. They're averaging about 80 plays a game. They want to get that number as high as they can. They like to go fast. Something to keep in mind as you watch the Notre Dame defense prepare for this challenge, okay? In terms of their big playmakers, the wide receiver, Terry, he's explosive. Averages over 20 yards per reception. He's their deep threat. He will burn you. He has moves. If we allow him, he'll be a problem, okay? That's the one guy you got to stop. So overall, yeah, it's Florida State. They have they have a handful of NFL players. It is Florida State. They're going to have some talent, but they're still a total mess. They're, they're just a mess. They don't have it all put together. They're in the middle of this rebuild. The first year, their coach had COVID. They just have issues. And it's a perfect time for Notre Dame to get back in the mix, take advantage of them, and do what Miami did and blow them the hell out and keep it moving. That's what I want to see. Can Notre Dame take advantage while Florida State's still down? Or are we going to struggle because we've been off half a month? That's the biggest question of the day for me. That's what this all comes down to in this game. Okay, so let's get into the five things I'm looking for from Notre Dame in this game. Now, number one is really interesting to me, and it's counterintuitive. Number one is, see if you've heard this before, how does Notre Dame come out to start the game? Now, if you're going to say, John, you're so lame, you didn't even come up with a new bullet point. You've had it for all three games as your number one bullet point. True, but they've been three vastly different scenarios. Game number one, it's how are we going to start the season and come out and play? 
and, it, and the result wasn't that good. Slow and sluggish was the answer. Week two, we were looking to see that big jump from game one to week two that a lot of teams take. How much better can we look in that second game? That was the second week. Now we're asking, how can we reboot after the COVID and buy shutdown? So yeah, I'm asking the same question of what energy we're going to come out with, but three vastly different scenarios that have a bunch of different factors all combined into one. But the number one overall thing is, how are we going to come out? Is this like starting the season all over again, slow and sluggish like against Duke? Or is everybody just so frustrated they've been on the sidelines, not able to do anything? We're going to come out and ravage Florida State the way Miami did. Okay, so that's number one. For the third time in a row, how is Notre Dame going to come out to start this ball game? Okay, here's number two, and this is interesting to me as well. Number two is Florida State's better at defending the run than they are the pass. Notre Dame so far this year has been much better running the ball than passing. Something's got to give this week. So does Notre Dame stick with that ground attack or maybe try to go to the outside to avoid those big uglies in the middle that Florida State has? Or do we open up the passing game and look at this as they have a very weak and porous pass defense. They don't rush the passer. They don't wreak havoc. They don't get sacks. So is this the week to start throwing the ball all over? Get Austin and Skoronek back in there. Keys, get all those guys back and in the mix. So that is very interesting to me offensively. What is Notre Dame going to try and do? I, I don't know what I... I don't know. I could see Kelly playing this both ways and Reese too. I could see them just trying to do what they've been doing and then ease these receivers back into it as they've been injured and coming back. I could see that. I could also see where they flip the script. No, Miami's vulnerable. No, they don't rush the quarterback. Open it way up. Try and throw the ball all over the yard and shut somebody like me up that wants to see a modern passing game. So I'm really interested to see the approach and the scheme Reese and Kelly build this offense this week. I'm ultra interested to see it, okay? Number three, I got to come up with new challenges for this Clark Lee defense because giving a point number, they keep exceeding it and keeping teams under it. So I'd say let's keep them under 17 points, but here's what I want to see. I want to see more sacks this week and I want to see more takeaways this week, okay? So, yeah, keeping them under 17 is always the goal. I want to see that havoc. Florida State has a very porous week offensive line. Can we get pressure on the quarterback, get those sacks, cause those hurries, make him throw off balance, and turn the ball over? So I want to see the point total under 20. Again, I'm targeting 17. I also want to see that sack box filled and I want to see more takeaways. The defense has been rock solid, but the takeaways have gone down, okay? So we got to get back into those big turnover-making plays. Here's number four. Now, number four connects to number two. Number four is, how will these injured-slash-COVID-sick players come back, okay? You're telling me Austin's back. You're telling me Skoronek's back. You're telling me Keyes is back. 
I could say, okay, we have our full receiving core. Let's go. Let's get all these crossing routes and deep patterns going. I don't know if that's going to happen. Okay. I don't know. They may want to ease these guys back in. They may give Austin a couple series or a couple targets. See how he's moving out there. Same with Skaronic. I just don't know how much these guys are going to be in the game plan, on the field, in the mix. The other thing is they may think it doesn't matter. They may think Florida State's so bad, you don't need these guys to win, so why push their recovery, okay? So I'm not in the room. I'm not a doctor. I don't know how well these guys are feeling, but it wouldn't surprise me if Skoronek and Austin don't get a lot of attention this week. They want to ease them back into the fold. That wouldn't surprise me. But I know you hear it and you read that our best guy's back. You want to see him in the mix right away. I don't know if that's realistic, okay? Like, it's different between saying he could play, he's going to play, and it being against Clemson where you need him out there every single play making plays. They may just think they don't need it this week. So all of those guys I listed that were COVID sick or quarantined or locked in an airtight room, I don't even know, whatever it is, but all the guys back from health, uh, sickness, and injury, let's see how much they contribute, how much they're out there, okay? Listen, I need us to work on this downfield passing game more, but if you think you could blow out Florida State anyways and not push it with Austin and Skaronic and build up to something against Clemson, as long as you're winning these games, I could live with that as a plan, but it would just relieve me a little bit if I saw us starting to throw it downfield a little bit more. That's just me. I got to see it. You're going to need it to beat Clemson and a couple of these other teams. So how involved will these injured and sick guys be the first week back? Okay. Here's number five. I don't know if this one's totally fair or not. But the bar for playing Florida State and beating them is the absolute beatdown that Miami gave to them, okay? So can Notre Dame get close to that territory and destroy Florida State in a similar fashion to what Miami did? We're a 21-point favorite. If we won this game by 21, 24 points coming off COVID and all these injuries, I think that's a pretty solid week. So I'm looking for us to cover this spread and bounce back, get these guys feeling back in the groove, feeling good, cover the spread. Seriously, Miami destroyed this team. They're terrible, okay? So cover that 21 for me, okay? I need that. So we're sitting around at home eating Charlie Weiss's cheeseburgers for the second straight week. There were some other interesting football games that took place. I went on my little Oklahoma rant last week and I actually took a little bit of heat from it. There's a couple Oklahoma guys that listen to the show and they kind of push back on me a little bit for how much I was ripping Oklahoma. Definitely didn't help their cause this week. They lost to Iowa State, who we just destroyed in the bowl game against Purdy, who's supposed to be this awesome quarterback and shred Notre Dame. That didn't happen. So they lose to Purdy and Iowa State. They got two losses. I'm enjoying every second of it, okay? I know they lost a lot of that talent. Something about that quarterback Oklahoma has bugs me. He's a little too flashy for a guy who's not winning. 
with the earrings and the fancy hair and everything. He's got a little too much swag that he hasn't backed up yet. That just caught, get off my lawn, call me old, call me a okay boomer. I don't care what you call it. If you're going to be flashy and have the earrings and the fancy hair, you got to win some games. So that kid bugs me, and I'm glad Oklahoma has two losses and are out of the AP top 25. Good. Also, Texas loses to TCU, okay? Patterson, I'm telling you, he just doesn't get the best talent, but he gets things done sometimes, okay? So to me... I personally enjoyed the hell out of the two brand name teams in the Big 12 catching these losses in Oklahoma with two, okay? Very refreshing. I'm here for it. I love to see it, okay? Now, the next one, I got to take some, I got to take the L on this one, okay? I got to drop the L on myself. I just got done saying, I'm so impressed by Mike Leach throwing the ball all over in the SEC, Past 600 passing yards and all this stuff. Then they go put up 14 points against a dog crap Arkansas team. Okay, so that's why I don't bet on a lot of these games. I, I put all this credit on, on Leach for opening it up and spreading it all over the field, throwing it all over in the, in the mighty SEC. 14 points against Arkansas is baffling and just totally confusing. So I got to take the L on that one, okay? So, I mean, at least he got the big win against a good team, but 14 points against Arkansas. I mean, me and 10 of you guys could score 14 points against Arkansas. So that's bizarre. I'll take the L uh, for pumping up Leach in that passing offense, okay? North Carolina beats Boston College 26-22. Phil, you got it. I'm going to keep monitoring Phil. Don't expect this to go away. It's ultra relevant on two fronts. One, he used to be our guy. And two, we play the guy coming up. So we got to know what he's doing, okay? They did lose 26-22, but Phil, 37 for 56, 313 yards, two touchdowns. He looks fairly solid, and he doesn't have a bunch of good skill, talent, and guys all around him at Boston College. So Phil's hanging in there tough. I still want to see him do well till he plays Notre Dame, of course, okay? Then you got Georgia 27, Auburn 6. Georgia looked way, way better this week than the week before. They looked more like the team I think we expected them to look like. Auburn, I, I don't, I, I, they were ranked in the top 10. I didn't understand that. I didn't see them as a top 10 team. Six points. I mean, I know Georgia always produces a good defense. Six points. Give me a damn break. Seriously. Then you got Bama 52, Texas A&M 24. Here's a couple things with this. With the rare exception of when I think Alabama actually plays somebody that might have a shot to beat them, Alabama's boring football to me because it's so many teams they just blow out. And I look at it as like a semi-pro outfit against high school teams most of these weeks. Like, if I love Bama, I would be all for it. But just to watch it as somebody who doesn't, It almost gets boring watching them beat up on teams week after week after week. 
It just does. And here's the second thing. I've said this before. Even when Jimbo was at Florida State, I always looked at him as more of a talent accumulator than a good X's and O's head coach. I always thought that about him. I never believe in Jimbo as a good coach. He's a good talent accumulator. And I thought that with Jameis and that whole thing at Florida State too. I've never believed in him as an X's and O's coach. We all said it when he made the move from the ACC to the SEC. I did admire it because you're jumping in there with the giant that's Alabama, and then you had LSU rise up as well. So, And then you have Georgia in the mix. That's a tough conference to leave the ACC, go into the SEC, and try and win and win big. So I do give him credit for taking on that challenge. It's just at what point... Do you have to ask, when is this going to turn the corner and we're going to be able to compete with a team like Alabama? I, I just, I'm not a Jimbo guy. I've never believed in him. I don't necessarily trust him. Like, he's just a guy, when I look at him and see him speak, I just don't trust the guy. He seems kind of snake oily to me. Never believed in him. And 52-24, Alabama. It's Alabama. What do, you, what do you want me to say? It's just not that fun to watch them beat the hell out of teams that can't compete with them. It's just not that fun for me. Sorry. Florida over South Carolina, 38-24. I'll say this. Florida looks pretty solid to me. Usually Florida's a team where like, you see they have this potential, but they don't put it all together. They do some dumb stuff and then lose a couple games. They have no business losing. I'll give them credit. They look very solid to me. The most solid I've seen them look in a while. I want them to I want to see them against some really good SEC teams. Okay. Clemson 41, Virginia 23. Clemson's gonna score their points. You know that. But here's my question. And this is more of a question for Pigskin Peak. Is this possibly a year where Clemson's a little more vulnerable on the defensive side of the ball than they were like in the year they played us in the playoff? They got a lot of guys they're replacing, some young guys playing. So maybe that's a question for pigskin. But it seems to me this year their defense may be a little more vulnerable than what we're all used to out of these Clemson teams, Okay. Still want to see him kick the crap out of Miami this week to shut all that noise up so that they're undefeated when we play them. Hopefully, we're undefeated when we play them, and it becomes the biggest game of the year, okay? So that's what I took out of that Clemson game. Also, the Pac-12 put out its schedule. They're going to come back starting November 7th. One of the purest joys of fall is Notre Dame wins some point during the day, no matter what time window we're in, we win. And then I get to sit back, have a few drinks, stay up late and watch whatever that late night Pac-12 game is that starts at 9 central and ends at about 1.30 in the morning. There's nothing better after a Notre Dame win than enjoying that late night football with a cold one or 10, Okay. Okay, so let's move on to some Notre Dame recruiting news. You know, it's a weird, recruiting is 
so rhythmic and and momentum, like the ups and the downs. The class started off really good. COVID hit. Nobody could visit. You miss out on Will Shipley. Things started to trend down, and we were just kind of treading water for a while. Then you get Colsey in that 21 uh, recruiting class wide receiver. Then you add Jaden Thomas the last few days to that. Notre Dame, I hate to say it, sitting at number nine in the 247 rankings, okay? I've had a bunch of people reach out to me. John, how are you going to react if you said they couldn't get a top 10 class? And if they actually do it, how are you going to react? How am I going to react? Happily. That's how I'm going to react. Happily. I have no problem taking an L on something if it makes me happy. I want to be proven wrong. I hope I'm proven wrong. I need to see you keep pushing. This can't be a situation where you're, I always say this, you're sitting at nine now. Come signing day, you can't end up 17th or 18th. Stay in the top 10. Steal some kids, get some kids, build on this momentum while you have it. I will say this though. It's very hard not to look at that 21 class and not be happy. They have some real difference makers and some players that I think can contribute early. And I always say that's a big piece of more of what we need to see to get us into the next tier of borderline elite elite. Okay. So how am I going to re? Oh, John, you know, what are you going to do if you said they couldn't get in the top 10 and you're proven wrong? I'm going to be in a great freaking mood. That means they outperform my expectations for once. I'll be thrilled. I would absolutely love to be wrong on this. And on signing day, I say, look at Notre Dame, number six or seven in the whole country. Now we're getting into that territory I need us to be in. Okay? So that's how I'll react. I'll be absolutely thrilled and happy, and it'll give us a springboard of momentum going into the next year. I would love it. Okay? Let's go over uh, just a couple news and notes, okay? Um, Did you guys see this Pat Forty Notre Dame tweet over the weekend? It really got to me, and I fired back something mean to him. His tweet was, Notre Dame number one, dot, 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 in COVID worries. Oh, Pat Forty, you're hilarious. You may as well host Saturday Night Live. Ha, 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 ha. Apparently, Pat Forty thinks it's funny that half our team has COVID. So I didn't react well to that, but apparently he thought it was hilarious. Oh, Notre Dame number one in COVID worries. <laughs> hilarious. Shut the hell up. Moving on. Sergeant Tim McCarthy died. Now, here's the thing about this, and I don't want to take this for granted, but if you go to Notre Dame game home games and you go to a lot of them, You hear the name Sergeant Tim McCarthy. You instantly know what it's in regards to. You get the bit. You laugh. You roll your eyes, whatever it is. Okay, but there's a lot of people who listen to this show who don't live near Notre Dame, maybe live in Canada, have never been to a Notre Dame home game. So what they always did was for 55 years, 55 years of Notre Dame home games, late in the game, Sergeant Tim McCarthy of the Indiana State Police would get on the loudspeaker on the stadium and start out with, may I have your attention, please? 
Everybody who goes to a lot of games automatically goes, oh boy, what's he going to come up this week? So what he ends up doing is making a PSA about not drinking and driving home after the game. And the end of it always involves some cheesy, corny, funny line, okay? And one that always sticks out in my head is, here's a great example. And if you've been to a bunch of games, you know a bunch of these in your mind, but here's one. He would say at the end of it, you know, don't drink and drive, blah, blah, blah. You'd say, nobody relishes a pickle driver. Like stuff like that. And it's like funny because it's so lame that it becomes funny. But I always got a chuckle out of that one. Uh, He said, nobody relishes a pickle driver. Okay. So he had a really funny way of addressing a very serious issue. Um, And I actually know somebody who died in the tailgate area at Notre Dame getting hit by a drunk driver many years ago. So this is an issue. And I have some family connections that with some people that were involved with that. Um, so he found a funny way to not make it lame and make, lighten the mood a little bit while getting his uh, point across. So rest in peace to Sergeant Tim McCarthy. 55 years he made those announcements at every single Notre Dame home game. Okay. And finally, I got to talk about the Notre Dame Corona connection to the biggest news story in the world that the president has the virus, Jenkins, the Supreme Court nominee, and I think 17 other people went to the White House for the announcement that she was being nominated. Jenkins has the virus. I saw there was 18 other Notre Dame people that were awaiting their test results to see if they had the virus. So it's certainly possible that Notre Dame brought the virus to the Rose Garden at the White House. Now the president has it, and it's a worldwide news story, okay? So I mentioned last week, thing I said last week, things were going to get really tricky politically with Notre Dame and all this virus stuff. There's a petition for Father Jenkins to resign as president of Notre Dame, for taking a hardline stance on students, for not wearing masks, social distancing. Then he's on TV at the Rose Garden with no mask, shaking hands, hand gliding with everybody, uh, glad handing with everybody. So there's a lot of people at Notre Dame that feel like the leadership is being uh, hypocritical when they're threatening the students to expel them if they're not uh, following all the guidelines. Then our own president doesn't follow him, ends up getting the virus, and it's just this big mess. So Notre Dame's got to get pull it all together because right now you have a lot of different things that are all not moving in the same direction in terms of the messaging of this virus versus what's happening. So if Jenkins wants all these kids to do the right thing, maintain their distance, wear a mask and all this stuff... I get why they're saying it's a tough look that you didn't do it and you're on TV. Guess what? Now he's got the virus. Okay, so there's still a lot of awkward feelings and sentiments going on around Notre Dame big picture and our connection to the biggest news story in the world cannot be ignored right now. Okay, so those are the news and notes. Overall, I just want to see a 
relatively smooth transition back into big time football here. So I'm going to try and be patient if we start out a little slow and sluggish, but it's Florida State and they're terrible. Don't let them sit around. You got to cover that 21 number. This team's just not good right now. So knock off the rust. Get your guys back lathered up, back in the flow, back in the rhythm of football again, and let's see what we could do, okay? So that's what I need to see. Going to try and be patient, but that's only going to last so long against this Florida State team before I start to, my temperature is going to start to rise, okay? So ease back in, take care of business, cover the spread, keep it moving. Okay, that's what I need to see. Okay, so everybody, this is a segment I'm really happy to do with somebody that's been extremely generous with his time and skills. With me now is Brendan McGrath. You can find him at BFunkatron on Twitter. Brendan is a longtime diehard Notre Dame fan. Stuck in USC territory out near LA. He's a musician extraordinaire, and he is the manufacturer of my professional sounding introduction that you hear on every one of my shows. He offered to do it for free because he loves Notre Dame, loves the show, went in a professional studio, and built me that amazing introduction. Brendan, thank you so much for joining me. How's it going out in USC land? I mean, it's as good as any other place in the country right now. Uh, and USC hasn't started playing yet, so it's actually much more tolerable. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good point. November 7th, I think they start they That's start perfect. playing again. Yeah, so um, it'll be as irritating as the rest of the country, you know. We, we're, just like everything else in LA, we're a little slow on the uptake. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, Brendan... How did you become a diehard Notre Dame fan stuck in L.A.? Give, a, give us the backstory here. How did this happen? The uh, really, really quick version of that is uh, it happened because I was born in 1983, and that was the year we started our streak against uh, USC. My father was a diehard Notre Dame fan for his entire life, as well as my grandfather. He happened to marry my mother, who uh, grew up out here and was a USC fan. Uh, so, uh, yes, I come from a, a house divided. Um, so of course, as I was born, uh, my father thought I was a godsend. My mother thought I was the omen. Um, you know, so, uh, but yeah, growing up, it was very easy because, you know, being in LA and USC is all the talk out here. I was able to, you know, coming from an Irish Catholic family as well, you know, fall right into the Notre Dame trap, uh, for, for my life. And then, uh, I watched every game as I was growing up, but it was the Florida State game when I was 10 years old, the 1993 game, where I kind of was, oh, I really understand why this is such an important team, sports, everything. So it's really been, uh, you know, a lifelong journey. And of course, with its ups and downs. <laughs> and Brendan, one of the things that cracks me up is we were talking on the phone last week and you told me, you know what, John? The way you think, feel, and talk about Michigan is the way I feel, think, and talk about USC. That warms my heart. I love hearing that. That warms my soul. I got to know that I got, I got the Midwest hate covered. I got to know I got a guy in L.A. that can cover it for me. 
as everybody knows, it's an equal opportunity, love and hatred for Notre Dame, no matter where you go. But yes, uh, when I got onto your show, uh, I was amazed to find out how much the hatred for Michigan was out there. Obviously, a rival and you know somebody that we have bad, or, you know, we have bad blood with. But because I'm out here in USC territory, it's always that. It's that. That's always the game uh, that I have always looked forward to because it's a great rivalry. But your hatred of Michigan actually kept cracking me up. So I, I, it was li likewise very nice to, to know that side of it. It's never going away. So everybody could just get used to it. It's never going away. It, 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 the, the ante was uh, brought way up. <laughs> For sure. So, Brendan, here's here's the thing. I One is, I really appreciate your support of the show. Um, and you've been there since very early on and supported me, reached out to me, offered to make the professional introduction all for free, just because you like what I have going on in Notre Dame. And I told you, whenever you need to come on my show for anything, you have an open invitation. Now, one thing, everybody's got different skills in life, things that come easier to them. I've always wished I could play an instrument, sing, do anything like that. I don't have the patience for it, nor am I naturally gifted with it. But you are. So explain to everybody listening what you have going on. What's the L.A. scene for live music like right now with COVID? Explain a little bit about where you're at, what you got going on out there. The L.A. scene uh, is exactly like the rest of the world, which is that the live entertainment business is completely dead. Uh, it's very unfortunate. I also have a cover band that I've been playing in, a classic rock cover band I've been in for well over a decade, and we are actually a pretty big staple in LA for a lot of places. But yeah, I mean, weddings that you would play at, uh, you know, anything, you know, that, that you can do to make money in that venue is totally gone. So it's just like everywhere else, you know, LA is no exception to that. Uh, everybody thinks of LA as being one of the capital places for entertainment. So I understand the question. Uh, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, glass half full and everything, you know, just everybody that I know that's, you know, going through this and trying to make a crack at it, or, you know, this is their whole living. It's really just kind of reinventing the wheel and, you know, just trying to make sure that to stay creative and stay positive through this thing. So there's, you know, I'm sure everybody has been out there seeing it, but there's a lot of live stream type concerts and stuff for uh, what you wanted me wanted to have me on. And I appreciate it for, uh, you know, I made made and make money doing cover music. Uh, and I did, I was able to tour with some people, uh, you know, internationally uh, over my, the course of my career. Uh, and But I've always kind of been like a hired hand. And this was, you know, I'm fairly new to the scope of doing my own original material. So what you were, you know, nice enough to have me on for is the fact that I did release my first album this year and I have a new single that just came out. Uh, and uh, it's really just about staying creative, staying positive, making sure that, you know, as an, you know, an artist or a musician, uh, you know, just stay with the craft, stay, stay doing stuff and plan for the future because it's going to come back. We all know that this is going to come back. So get your ducks in a row. Yeah. So, Brendan, with everything being tough like that, what I need my people to do is support you, even if it's from a distance. You know, we're not able to, I'm not able to come to LA for a weekend and see you play and go do all that. But I want all my people to support you and your music. Tell them where to go to get access to your album and everything you have going on. Uh, 
a lot of places you can find me, but the best way to go is just to go by my website. Uh, it's brendanmcgrathmusic.com. Uh, again, B-R-E-N-D-A-N-M-C-G-R-A-T-H music.com. You'll be able to get links to my social medias from there, as well as uh, follow me on Spotify. You know, again, I'm fairly new to doing my my original stuff. I was able to do your theme. I've done some podcast themes. You know, uh, I, I, I still do things like that. But, uh, you know, as far as releasing original material on Spotify, I'm, I'm fairly new to it. So uh, it would be really helpful to have everybody follow me on there. And please let me know what you think about the music. You know, I, I, I write a whole bunch of different styles. Obviously, you've heard the Irish theme uh, if you listen to this show. Uh, I grew up playing Irish music, so that it was, it was easy for me to do. Uh, but, you know, I've done everything from progressive rock to a little bit of jazz, a little bit of classical. And I, I really love the classic rock, folky kind of style. And you'll find a lot of those elements in my music. Uh, you know, I'm a lead guitar player by trade, but I pretty much play all the instruments on the songs that are that are going out there. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I, it, please, brennanmcgrathmusic.com. And, uh, yeah, you'll find links to everything on the, on the website. That's awesome. Um, one of the things, as, as we wrap up, one of the things I've been thinking about while we're all going through this, the new normal that, that we're living in, mm -hmm. I used to think that no matter what, at least we had sports as our escape from the real world stressors, put on your football game and zone out. And, and then that all got taken away from us this spring with this virus. And it's really making me appreciate the art of music and music making. I'm starting to think maybe music is the only thing that could never get taken from us no matter what. And I find myself valuing music that strikes me more than I ever did before because I appreciate its reliability that I know it's there and I know that it's there forever. And if I connect with it, I can always go there. I used to have that with sports and, and we've learned you can't rely on that anymore. So it's a craft that I'm gaining respect for day by day. No, I completely agree. And uh, it's kind of like I said before with what I know musicians are doing, what I'm doing, and you know, everybody that's in some sort of entertainment is doing stay positive and, and be goal oriented. So, you know, when we're talking about with sports and how it, it really is something that does bring people together, no matter what's going on in the world, COVID, politics, civil unrest, which is all very, very important stuff that we obviously need to talk about. Sports is there to make sure that people on opposite sides of an issue come together and either have mutual love or mutual hatred for the things that are going on. You know, obviously I live in Trojan town. I have not only my mother, but I also have plenty of friends, obviously, that I get along with that do support the dreaded Trojans. And I've been to the Coliseum many times. I was there when Lou Holtz lost uh, the, his last game uh, and broke the streak. I was also there and was able to hold number one high, you know, uh, in 2012 in the, in the last game. I was there for that game. It's one of the best memories I'll ever have. But, you know, it's great to be able to have that camaraderie of finding Irish fans, finding, you know, Trojan fans and just sitting through uh, something together. I'll, I'll tell you a quick story, actually. This is from 2007, the worst season, I think, in history, right? Uh, the Charlie Weiss era, Jimmy Clausen first season. I think we went three and nine. Uh, this is a perfect LA, uh, LA story here for, for all the listeners. But uh, I went to the UCLA Notre Dame game. Again, one of the worst games I've ever seen in my life as far as both sides of the ball being played. And it was, it were, they were cheap tickets and it was the LA game. So uh, my dad and I went. As I said, my mother's a Trojan fan. This is not to belittle her, but this is also during the Matt Leiner, Reggie Bush, Pete Carroll years, which 
USC was everything. So we were 0-4 going into this game. Uh, I forget the, tr the I'm sorry, the, the Bruins, but I think they maybe had won a single game. So uh, right after halftime, Notre Dame, they would go on to win this game. That's not the punchline of this story. We got our first win against UCLA in 2007. Uh, but uh, right after halftime, we took the lead and their chance of 0-5, 0-5 started to die down. Because we, you know, as fans, we were all just witnessing the worst game possible. And my dad had gotten a text from my mom that Stanford had just beaten USC. And this was, a, you know, obviously an upset. And so, you know, not wanting to rub it in my mom's face or anything like that, because we're not that type of people, uh, we had shared a private laugh. A minute later, in the sound system, they announced, I forget what the score was, but it was, your attention, please. USC has just lost to Stanford, and you saw everyone in the crowd, UCLA and Notre Dame, all embrace and just cheer the loudest cheer I've ever heard. Uh, that was a great moment. Winning that game wasn't even as good a moment as just sharing a hug for the mutual hatred of USC. <laughs> I like that. Talking about the two sides, something yeah. everybody in that room can agree on. You know, that's, that's beautiful. We all agree on. So for just a moment, we all put our differences of the game aside and then have a nice cheer. <laughs> That's fantastic. So as I let you go, Notre Dame is a 21-point favorite against Florida State, but we've been off a half a month. Guys coming back from injury, guys coming back from COVID. Do you think Notre Dame plays well, covers the 21? Do you think we start slow? What are you expecting? I, uh, I've been a Notre Dame fan too long to just uh, trust those types of things, you know, whatever the... Uh, uh, whatever the spread is. And Florida State, there's history there. And Florida State's really looking to make a name for themselves. And what better way, as every team does, go in and beat Notre Dame. So I'm never actually comfortable when it comes to game time. I think we're a lot alike when it comes to that. Uh, I want to see more out of Ian Book, as I'm sure everybody that listens to this show does. I love Ian. However, he's not Joe Burrow last year. He's not one of the elite quarterbacks. We all need to understand that this is a thing. We want to see him progress. We're gonna we're gonna cheer him on. I think we have some really good playmakers in the running game, and it's just the without the practice the last couple of weeks and a lot of things, you know, looking weird. Anything can really happen. It is 2020, uh, but I look. I agree with you about the the idea that we can go in and just troll the ACC by winning all these games. It's a really really good thing. We are going back to independence after this season. It's really interesting for me to look at, to really just watch ACC games, which I've never done. Obviously, being out here and being a Notre Dame fan, the ACC, I mean, if we play an ACC opponent, that's the only time. But I'm actually like watching the ACC network and really yeah. focusing on those games. It's a weird thing to do as a Notre Dame fan. So I would say, look, it, we absolutely should be winning this game. We should win all games and we should make the game against Clemson competitive. Uh and maybe even win that game. You know I'm going to be with you cheering. But, uh, you know, the point is we should win this game, but I've been a Notre Dame fan too long. I will be cheering them on, but until the game is over, I, I never put money out. <laughs> yep, that's very, very fair. I, I agree with your sentiments. Um, so I can't wait till this all clears up. I want to come see you live in L.A., or if you come to Chicago for something, I'll meet you there. I need all of my listeners to look up Brendan McGrath Music, follow you, support you, make sure you keep us in the loop on anything you have going on so that everybody can listen. 
Thanks so much for having me on, John. And uh, thank you for everybody else that's listening. I really hope uh, you at the very least enjoy the theme song that we worked so hard on. <laughs> it's fantastic. I can't thank you enough for doing that pro bono sure. work. I really do appreciate it. So that's going to be it for tonight's show. I hope we're in a good mood after Florida State so we can talk about blowing them out next week. And until then, we'll see everybody later. Take care. Go Irish.
sometimes I just feel like missing you.